Hey, welcome everybody. We this is on podcast, the on Microsoft podcast, where we talk about all things Microsoft. Uh, I am Kareem Anderson, your host. I am also here with the world's greatest co-host, Arif Bacchus. Yeah, and we're gonna dive into uh, what we consider the final weeks of Microsoft news for the year, um, starting off with uh, Insiders testing Windows 10 X codebase. Um, that's some interesting news, and we'll get into that. And then our second topic of the day is, if you're not already tired of hearing about it, uh, Microsoft updating some of its products for Apple's new M1 Max. Yeah, and followed by uh, Microsoft's own uh, chip news as well. So maybe if you're tired of hearing about M1, we can start talking about <laughs> S2 or whatever they're going to call this new version of it, of their own silicon. And then let's not forget our fourth topic, uh, Cyberpunk 2077 all of a sudden is flopping and Sony and Microsoft are offering gamers refunds. So we'll recap some of that news for you too. Yeah. And then, you know, as always, our like feature here is your week of head. Uh, despite their, you know, Microsoft sending everyone home for vacation for the next two weeks, uh, there's still some news, uh, still stuff percolating, uh, stuff regarding the Jedi contract. Uh, there's other stuff um, as far as, you um, Halo updates, um, the new alarm clock experience, which is kind of hinting at uh, what could be what could be coming in Windows. Um, Flight Sim, hitting a certain number. I know Eric's going to want to kind of dig into that. <laughs> and then uh, we'll kind of touch the edges around the SolarWinds uh, cyber attack. Not that it's uh, not relevant news, but um, it is much as we know, uh, we don't still know the whole situation. So uh, we'll talk about what we do know. So why don't you get us started with uh, Windows 10X? I know it's a topic that's near and dear to your heart. And all, all of a sudden now, our buddy Zach at Windows Central had a, he said that apparently Windows insiders are actively testing the code for Windows 10X in the new FE release branch, is it? Yeah, uh, the only trick to that is that they don't know that they're testing it. Um, <laughs> this is, you know, more of the, Phantom Windows 10X development that Zach and you know I'm sure his sources are legit keep pushing. Um, yet nobody has any evidence. Nobody has uh, any solid information about it. So um, as far as we know, Windows 10X has been put on hiatus as of last December when Microsoft said that they're going to focus on um, single-screen devices, uh, and you know that's all we got for now. Uh, but according to Zach's most recent information, uh, as you mentioned, it's the FE release, uh, which is uh, for devs, I believe, or it's dev not even branch. associated with it. The dev branch. Again. The dev yeah, branch. Yes, the dev branch, but it's not associated with any release itself. Um, so what could be happening is that um, Microsoft or Windows engineers are testing the code, but they may never even release the stuff that they're testing. Uh, so just keep that in mind if, for those of you who are thinking like, oh, once it's you know, complete or solidified or good enough to be a beta that you'll get it, you may not ever get this um, just based on the branch that it's on. Um, it's also, they're also saying that they're testing it uh, internally and expected, I mean, Windows Next is being reported to be tested internally and expected to launch on new devices in the first half of 2021. Um, we know that Microsoft uh, is going to be doing a lot of spec bumps versus new hardware. So it'll be interesting to see how they correlate uh, these so-called new devices that nobody's heard of and commingle that with the devices that they sort of owe customers as far as like a Surface Pro 8, um, a, a Surface Laptop 4, things like that. So 
again, I am very weary on how Windows 10X works in Microsoft's timeline. And uh, as much as I am a Microsoft fan and, and <laughs> I'm hesitant, our editor-in-chief, Kip, is, you know, he's very bullish on Windows 10X already being a flop. Um, and it hasn't, you know, it's it's so far, all we know is it's sort of vaporware. You know, we, we have an emulator, um, but that's about all we have. And he's already saying that it's failed against Chrome OS, that it's, you know, not up to snuff for M1 Max uh, running, you know, Big Sur and, and beyond. So uh, it's got a lot to prove already, even though it's not out. Um, one thing that, you know, maybe I'll bounce this off of you, uh, Arf, is that late last, late yesterday, uh, Kip and I went back and forth throwing out the idea that Windows 10X may not e even be a consumer play. I think Zach right. said yeah. that. Said as much. Like like uh, you and I were talking about before the uh, before we kick things off in the podcast, maybe Windows 10X will be something that just runs on lightweight devices in the same way that you have like uh, Windows IoT and I think it was Windows CE that runs on bank machines and even even like things that you check out with at the counter and stuff like that. So maybe it's not going to be a big grand operating system like Windows 8.1 was to Windows 8. It could just be something that, that's a lot smaller, which is why insiders are able to test pieces of the code because it's based on Windows 10, but it's not actually a whole new operating system. It's just small pieces here and there that are being patched together to put together this lightweight version of Windows for new devices. And this might also tie into what we discussed last week about the uh, feature pack or the feature updates uh, that Microsoft right, is yeah. enabled Windows 10. So um, you'll be able to kind of cross um, uh, cross use some of those features, uh, you know, as they develop it. Again, based on what Zach is saying, and again, we take this with as much grain of salt as we can. Fine grain of salt. <laughs> exactly. He's often more right than he isn't, uh, and he's reporting that it's designed for commercial. I think he specifically said, uh, use that word, and education. Um, I know that there's Windows 10 S mode out there, and I feel like that's still a, a viable solution uh, for you know for Windows. You wrote about it this week. Yep. Um, and I think with a few tweaks and probably some more emphasis on their education platform, they can compete with Chrome OS with Windows 10S as is. Um, so what Windows 10, 10X offers is still a big question mark um, coming in late in the operating system wars. That's something that's not late. Well, I, I guess it depends on how you look at it is Microsoft updating its own apps for Apple's MacBooks and new Mac that's minis and new Mac yeah. Pros. They wasted no they wasted no time. Uh it's the I believe the Macs came out in what was it uh November, like a month and a half ago. Like and they November, already announced yeah, and they already announced that uh Microsoft all of the Microsoft three six five apps, which include Word, PowerPoint, Excel and Outlook, they're all running natively on Apple's M1 Macs as universal apps, which means they're no longer running emulated through Rosetta 2. They're designed specifically to for M1 Mac, M1 Macs, but you'll find it now as universal in the Mac App Store. So these these new Office 365 apps on on uh, M1 Macs, they're faster, they perform better, and you'll get you're even getting some new features that they talked about in I think it, I believe it's Outlook 
coming for out uh, coming to outlook for the new m1 max so yeah microsoft is stepping up its game and it's not just with office 365 you think edge is really important too and in the canary branch of edge they introduced native support for the m1 max which means canary edge no longer runs under um, under emulation so you have more better performance in the same way like you would on an arm 64 windows 10 device yeah, uh, as frustrating as it may seem to those of us who have to kind of endure long development periods for, you know, what we consider just the mindless inbox apps for Windows, and you start to see Microsoft <laughs> moving at such a quick clip for Mac, uh, just keep in mind that um, Apple seeded a lot of the developer kits uh, last year. Um, right, yeah. So, they, you know, we Microsoft's had some time to kind of get this out. It just coincides with their, their release. They may have been under some kind of corporate embargo to as far as timing is concerned for releasing their their apps to people so again keep that in mind as you see over the fact that it takes us forever on the windows side to get what seems to happen very quickly on the mac side well how long till we actually get windows on m1 max let me ask you that question Ooh, officially yeah what do you think what's your estimate i hope it's not before they iron out windows on arm uh <laughs> Because that would be a big slap in the face to to not only PC manufacturers but to Windows on ARM users. So uh, hopefully they stagger that release. So like they announced maybe next year, end of next year, 2021, that they've ironed out their emulation, uh, they've gotten the apps the way they need to be in speed up, uh, and then they can say, all right, and guess what? We've put Windows on uh, an M1 Mac as well. But if you know from what I've been reading, though, uh, you're seeing on YouTube and reading, some people have already managed to do that. A handful yeah, of people managed to do it. It's like stitching together Windows on a Mac, though. It's not the best, no, the best yeah, way to do it. You're missing out on drivers and a bunch yeah. of other things too. But I mean, if if people are already doing it and the Mac has only been out for a month, I would assume by like next summer they'll have a pretty solid solution, waiting for Microsoft to authorize it if they do it. I mean, remember last we heard. Um, was it Federighi was saying that you know the developer tools are there? It's just up to Microsoft to use them. Um, I know that as an old Microsoft fan, uh, I get a little tribal about you know where I stand with their development. But I know that they need to be on the Mac. Uh, they need to be everywhere. So uh, they're probably you know churning away at, at doing that as well. So what about this rumor about uh, we just talked about the Apple M1 and. I'm pretty sure it's not really a direct response to the M1, but uh, Bloomberg had a report out about Microsoft designing its own chips for servers and even Surface PCs. Well, why don't you tell our readers a little bit more about that? Yeah, late uh, for that Friday, I think it was. Friday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern time. Yeah, this is, you know, you usually, usually you dump that kind of news when you don't want to affect stock markets. So, um, maybe this was uh, a wink and a nod to Intel dumping in this late as not to affect their stock price. But uh, according to Bloomberg News, Microsoft is in the process uh, of creating an in-house chip uh, based on the ARM uh, architecture for servers, uh, for companies and businesses to put into servers that utilize Azure. Um, so think of that first. Uh, that's why we said not a direct response to the M1. Uh, because this chip, again, is made for uh, a whole different purpose than it would be for PC. 
Uh, with that being said, um, there is part of that rumor is also that they're working on a new ARM-based chip for the um, potential service devices. They could they could be testing. I think that you know they have labs to test all kinds of things. Uh, you know they have a whole they have that what is it the sound chamber or whatever in Seattle just to test Surface headphones and, and acoustics. So I'm assuming this is all part of just R&D in general, uh, not to be blown out of proportion, but the fan in me is super excited to you know potentially have uh, a custom uh, Surface chip. Now, and I'm gonna run this by you too. I believe their most strategic course of action in doing this, because I know it's kind of a fracture of the wind tail for them to kind of go beyond that. And they've already experimented with AMD I think that they're going to use AMD as a partner in building this chip, the same way that they did um, Qualcomm, Qualcomm or yeah. SQ. Uh, and I say not, that because, go ahead. I'm not so sure that they want to depend this time too much on Qualcomm uh, or AMD. I think that they want to build their own stuff so they could have more control like what we saw. I mean, the Bloomberg report does not really focus specifically on surface side of things. It's mainly servers and, and Azure, as you're saying. But if they're able to do what Apple did with the M1, which is pair the hardware perfectly with the CPU, you're going to have something that's a lot more powerful than what you have right now with Qualcomm, working together with Qualcomm. Because that's that uh, you talked about it last week when we talked about how the emulation works. There's only so much you could do with a Qualcomm chip. So I hope, hopefully, I with this rumor, it means that they're able to do a, a bit like what Apple did and push out more a more powerful chip that could have more cores. What is it? Eight cores, eight core CPU or eight core GPU or whatever Apple has going Shared, and yeah. dub, double it or triple it and push out a really powerful chip in a slim profile and in a slim device, just like the Surface Pro X. Um, and I'm not disagreeing with you there. I think I think you're you hit it right on the head. The only reason why I say strategic is because Apple, since the iPhone five, I believe it is, has been working on developing this custom chip. So this has been a long time oh, in making. Yeah. So if Microsoft is, you know, we'll say I would like to give them a bit of a doubt, even three years into this process of making a, a chip for servers, it's they still need they they don't produce the service at a volume that would allow them to you know, harness or, or understand the full breadth that Apple has. So what I'm saying is pairing with AMD is they, AMD has as of recently taken some chunks out of Intel in the server market already. Right. They, they've, already paired, they've already partnered with them on custom chips for the Xbox One, and now for the Xbox Series X, they've partnered with AMD for the Surface Laptop. So I believe, at least for the timing, for maybe the next three to five years, that they will work with a, uh, AMD on how to best squeeze performance out while taking notes on you know possibly producing a, a Surface you know Pro X5 chip <laughs> of their own, having gotten all the knowledge that they've had partnering with AMD for as long as they've done. And AMD makes a good chip. While it's not fanless, I don't believe I don't think they offer fanless uh, design just yet. Um, they you know their chips run cooler. They're cheaper. Uh, they have you know, as far as we've seen for some of the, the more recent Ryzen's, they have enough power to put, you know, compete with Intel. The only difference is that, you know, developers or enterprise have written their performance directly to Intel. So Microsoft would just need to get, uh, you know, their salespeople, their sales team to push writing for AMD over the next couple of years. Um, or 
maybe just use emulation to kind of go around that. Either way, that's my that's my like, you know, reading the crystal ball is that they partnered with AMD for these chips for you know two or three years and then come out with their own after they've gotten enough uh, knowledge. So is it bad news for Intel? I mean, everyone, every headline <laughs> yeah. from The Verge to even me at Digital Trends and yourself at, here at On Microsoft, everyone is saying it's bad news for Intel. So do you think this means that Intel is in trouble? I mean, you mentioned AMD. They've already fell behind AMD in terms of performance. I know I reviewed a, a Lenovo with an AMD and it ran ran circles around whatever Intel had. So you think Intel is in trouble here? Yeah, Intel's um, in the immediate future, no. They're kind of like Microsoft uh, as far as having a solid chunk of enterprise already into their belt. And like I said, um, you have businesses that are 20 plus years under, you know, writing apps specifically to Intel chips and stuff like that. And, you know, unless their business changes drastically, they're not going to spend any time or money changing any of that. Intel will still own uh, what they do. They still have a huge business and servers. Um, and it's not going away. Like I said, as I mentioned, AMD is making strides, but you know it's sort of like uh, Microsoft to uh, Amazon right now. Uh, it, they'll be a competitor in, in a couple of years. Um, I think what's more interesting to find out or understand is where this leaves Qualcomm, because I feel like you know Intel's got it's had a history of of a long time of, of being on top. Qualcomm kind of came out of nowhere. They've had their meteoric rise for the last like seven years or so. But if we're seeing the M1 kind of make Qualcomm the Intel of mobile already, and Microsoft's already making its own chips versus just partnering with Qualcomm for servers and things like that, where does that leave them? Because um, Intel, again, this is Intel's business to lose. Qualcomm never got into it, really. And they're already being shut out. They're going to be relegated to just phones at some point oh. in the way that they're going to be phones. And Google, and you mentioned Google's already testing theirs. Apple's already gone off. Like, what do you do with Qualcomm at this point? I think that they, weren't they also, uh, I think uh, when I was researching my article for my other publication, I saw something about them being in the server market and then they pulled out. I think it was yep. in 2018. Do you think that yeah. they maybe they they suddenly will make a huge comeback and refocus to just being in servers without without being there with Apple or being there with Microsoft or even Sony or all the other tech companies? Um, well, I mean, with with all of these businesses kind of exploring their own version of ARM architecture, which I think the problem was is that Qualcomm became synonymous with ARM. Uh, at least in the right, eyes, yeah, yeah. in the minds, mindshare reviewers like ourselves. So when we would say ARM, people were thinking Qualcomm, but the idea is that it's ARM architecture that Qualcomm basically Come took right, yeah. and got ahead of everybody. Now, if everyone's already experimenting their own and figuring out ways to to juice the power that you know Qualcomm can't seem to get beyond, um, then it really relegates them. You know, that's that's where it's dangerous for them. Uh, Intel's always had power with coupled with fanning. And that's been their big push. It's just raw brute strength power. Qualcomm has kind of done some uh, threading and added some modems and some, you know, photography capabilities. But if people can start to figure out to do that on their own, I again, I see a, a much harder road for them. I, I know the 888 is coming out. And it's supposed to have all these like great performance things, but you know, we're getting these like incremental changes. We're seeing you know 20% or 15% or 10% increases versus 80%, and, and you know these you know, bombastic 
you know, new uh, sound advantages or, or camera capabilities. It only could go so far. I agree. It only could go but so you, far. You would think so. But then Apple comes up with the M1. Right, that's true. But like you said, that's been in the works for probably decades now. <laughs> well, it has, but I mean, it's been at the same time Qualcomm's been making chips. Either way, either way you look at it, if you would think about right now, I have this iPhone right here that has what six gigs of RAM in it, and it runs I don't know what frequency, but the power in this phone is like a hundred times more than the the computer that they use to land people on the moon. So can you imagine where where they'll go from in a couple hundred years from now? I mean, not a hundred, yeah. like ten years yeah. from now. Uh, granted, again, these are all first world concerns. I, 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 I full, I wholeheartedly accept that criticism. I just, I think, as <laughs> as you move forward and, and your know, operating systems become, you know, just you know, app launches to a certain extent, you have to find, kind of figure out where these businesses that are currently uh, saturated and making money, where they go in the future. And I just feel Qualcomm and Intel have. Uh, a tougher time going ahead. I'm not saying AMD's coasting by by any measure. They still have, you know, they can still lose a lot of what they've been building towards, but they've kind of resurfaced uh, under Intel. You know, for a while they were kind of beating Intel. Intel took over with uh, some power uh, uh, management systems that were much, you know, better than AMD. AMD went away for a while. They've, you know, kind of went underground for about nine or 10 years, and now they've come out with these Ryzen chips, which are amazing. Um, Maybe Qualcomm does that, like you said, but I think we should just get focused on not everything's bad for Intel. It's it's a shifting market for everybody. Yeah, it's it's changing. Yeah, definitely. Change is always good. Well, something that's not good, I'm sure everyone but has heard. But it's still changing. <laughs> that everyone has heard about by now is uh, Cyberpunk 2077. Uh, Sony, like I said, to kick off the show, Sony removed it from the PlayStation Store digitally. If you own the disc, it will still play. But Sony removed the game from the store digitally and offered people a refund who purchased the game. And one day after, on Friday, Microsoft also, they didn't remove the game, obviously, but they did. They're offering Xbox players who are unsatisfied with the game full refunds. They already did this, I believe. If you played the game and you didn't like it, you could have got a refund within, I think it's 14 days. And now with this new refund, you could, with this new thing, you could get a refund right away if you don't like the game. Point is, I'm saying don't like the game, but I'm not saying why. Well, don't like the game because it's full of bugs, like we talked about last week. Yeah. Um, you know, we were discussing this when the news dropped. I think it was. Uh, it was a Thursday night. It was pretty late, um, saying that Sony had, you know, made the decision to pull the game. Now, refunds. To to be clear, I believe the start of the story is that uh, the CD project uh, with the KT uh, had already begun handing out refunds. This is uh, leading up to their public apology. I believe that they had a press a press release about, and they've kind of gone on Twitter as well. They kind of did a whole PR spread about apologizing to gamers for the state that cyberpunk 2077 is in uh a day or so before that they'd already started kind of giving out refunds now what was you know meant to be a great a great gamer gesture um still needs to be discussed with the consoles and the businesses that are also working with you 
Uh, so it kind of put Sony in a tough situation to not offer a refund through their store when the studio is all is saying that they'll offer a refund. So you know, as much as we would like to give you know Sony and Microsoft credit for doing this, uh, just remember that the studio kind of forced their hands because they were already giving it out. Um, with that being said, uh, both platforms have finally started you know uh, doing the you know right thing and offering a refund for this game, uh, especially for those who are on PS4 and Xbox Ones. Not that you know last year consoles, last year last year console gamers were having probably the worst experience out of everybody. Um, PC, uh, like I said last week, it was tier. PC gamers got a pretty decent one with a few uh, bugs and glitches, but fidelity was amazing. Um, X current gen consoles or new next gen console owners got a decent game with uh, a, few, a few bugs and a few visual uh, issues. Um, and then last gen con- last gen console owners got probably the worst end of the deal. And I think. Um, we were discussing this in our chat last last week that um, the studio was in a tough situation because of the pandemic. You have people right. not buying. Well, the console makers can't produce enough next gen consoles to then give everyone a, a decent experience. So what everyone's got is the last gen console, and they're waiting for new consoles. So they're getting the worst experience. Uh, and the studio needed to put something out. Uh, people were waiting for this, and they probably were hoping at this point when they decided to you know release it that there'd be enough next-gen consoles that it wouldn't even matter. People wouldn't be saying, like, oh, I'm <laughs> playing this on an Xbox One. It's horrible. It's like, no, I'm playing it on an, an Xbox Series X, and it's you know it has a couple bugs. I'll just wait for the patch. But instead, with no guarantee in sight for when anybody's going to get access to these new next-gen consoles, anybody who's waiting on a current-gen console is just, you know, S out of luck. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a very unfortunate situation for gamers in general. Yeah, um, again, they they plan on having this big patch come in early January, next year. January, February, yep. So, um, you know, the game's been delayed, so take it for what it is. If they say January, February, who knows? Um, I was mentioning to Loren, who uh, is playing the game currently, um, that I would go for, personally go for the refund and, you know, rebuy it when it's ready, uh, especially if, you know, they're promising, I think it's this time next year, that the that they'll have fully uh, realized the next gen console for for a better game. So, you know, get your refund, buy a game that you like for the for the time being, and then you know we'll re-explore it um, when when they say it's ready. But there are some people out there who don't want to get the refund and who do actually like the game. Laurent is one of them. He did tell us in the chat when this news came out. He's like, no way, I'm not returning that. I put 20 hours into the game and it's beautiful on Xbox Series X. And I kind of feel the same way. I, I I don't play as much as he does, obviously. It's just on and off and I'm playing on my PC. And it's a really good game. It's really, really gets you in with it. The visuals are beautiful. The story is amazing. So I would understand why you would want to hold on to the game for now and finish it up if you can. Hey, I mean, again... If you were having a good experience, disregard everything we've said for the last like <laughs> ten minutes or so. Yeah. Uh, but for those of you who are kind of sitting on the fence, just again take that, take the information we're giving about uh, day one patches and uh, a full fix uh, happening all in 2021. So if you're ready to play this weekend or play over the next two weeks while you're at home, um, you might want to consider another game. 
So I think that's our final topic, big topic of the day, but there's still more for the week ahead. Yeah, um, as as Kareem mentioned when we kicked off the show, this is uh, today is December 19th. So this will be our final po- on podcast until the holidays. So don't be afraid if you see that we're missing for the next two weeks. We're just on our on our holiday break and we'll be back in January. And I'm, like I'm you. honored if you feel like we're, if you realize that we're missing. It means that you were watching. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. We did notice a peak in viewership the past couple of weeks, so we appreciate everyone who's here and who's te- tuning in, which is why we're trying to change up our show a bit, and I'll let Kareem talk about what we're looking forward to in the new year and obviously just in the week ahead as well. Segway. We need like a Segway chime because you're really good. You're getting good at these. Um, we the Windows making... Vista startup noise. Yeah, that's a, we'll add something like that. Um, uh, we're looking to, you know, uh, liven up the format. Like, I love uh, talking to my co-host. He's amazing, uh, super knowledgeable. Um, and I'm, uh, we assume that you guys like hearing us. But uh, we also want to hear from different perspectives and different people. So we're looking to, um, you know, talk to people, insiders like yourselves, or people that we know, our own contacts, and bring them on in an interview sort of fashion to kind of uh, talk about the topics as well. Um, or have them interviewed about something specific in the industry or something specific knowledge of their own. We have um, some some people lined up, uh, but we would love to hear from our readers. So we're going to uh, take the next uh, couple of weeks to kind of figure out how to engage and schedule um, some of you guys to come on uh, to the podcast. So you know, keep keep an eye on our Twitter feed, keep an eye on the website. And we'll give you some more information on, again, how to reach out and you know what we'll be discussing and kind of how to schedule stuff like that in the future. So now let's resume our regularly scheduled programming, which is discussing the topics that we expect to be big for Microsoft in the week ahead, despite there being a off period for the holidays. The first one, I, I believe you wrote about it, which is something relating to the SolarWinds cyber attack. Yeah. Um, again, uh, for those of you who have been paying attention, uh, the U.S. the U.S. government uh, and other businesses associated with that were hit with uh, fairly big uh, nation states sanctioned cyber attack uh, that they've dubbed SolarWinds uh, because of the software itself. Um, so far, reports are that it's from Russia, um, from a, I forget the name of the actual group, but. Uh, as far as Microsoft's concerned, uh, they came out with a statement trying to reassure uh, partners and customers that nothing had been, that nothing that they oversaw had been affected. Um, Reuters came out a few days later with, re- with an investigative reporter saying that things had kind of uh, been infected, uh, at least as far as associated with Microsoft and its services, um, to the extent that it was third-party software that was able then to then tap into uh, some uh, vulnerabilities in uh, different versions of Microsoft software. They've since identified it. Um, they said about 40, 40 or so customers have been affected with this. Um, they're looking to obviously uh, address that. And they're also, I wrote about their call to arms essentially to have an actual coordinated response globally um, to kind of detour any future um, um, issues or any future cyber attacks. Um, they have some steps on, you know, you know, some basic, you know, kind of no-brainers that we would consider in the industry uh, approaches to uh, avoiding malware, ransomware, um, 
right off the bat. And then they're calling on uh, all governments to kind of beef up um, their own cybersecurity because, it, you know, we live in a very transgressive world where we all interact and things that are done in Australia affect people in the U.S. and things that are done in China affect people in Russia. So if everyone steps up their level of security, um, you know, these sort of giant nation sanctioned uh, state attacks should become far less. So you mentioned stepping up. Uh, Microsoft is stepping up the looks of a very popular app in Windows 10, apparently. <laughs> yeah, uh, another segue. Uh, I just got it. Uh, Microsoft has updated the, I believe it's the alarms clock experience. Uh, this is part of, uh, I believe what they're calling Sun Valley, um, uh, the, the Sun Valley project to update the UI. Uh, we wrote about this as well, um, where they've added some new features, uh, a little bit more functionality. The design has been uh, tweaked a bit. Uh, it just makes the app a little more enjoyable to use. I mean, again, we use it as like a stopwatch or a timer, things like that. You don't really need a lot of visual uh, visual fixes to it, but uh, some of the features they've added to the world clock, to the stopwatch, being able to set, uh, visualize uh, and track multiple timers in the same window uh, have all been kind of tweaked. Uh, and again, this is supposed to be um, evidence that we're going to be seeing this big visual over overhaul for Windows. I don't know if it's tied in with Windows 10X um, or if this is just something different, uh, but uh, again, uh, I believe it's Sun Valley is going to be what you'll be hearing in the coming weeks. How does it look? Because like I have like five different computers and I've checked on every single one of them and I'm the one guy who doesn't have it. It, it looks really clean, to be honest with you. It has, you know, I think the, the clock app had the, um, uh, what is that? term they use the acrylic or whatever that had fluent that. design fluent design yeah it's just uh, an improved version of the fluent design um you know a lot of the numbering is larger uh for those of you who have uh you know trouble seeing stuff um again you can add multiple uh timers in the same window and have them all running at different times so you know like me when i was cooking for uh thanksgiving um and using my um Service Code 2 as my like, you know, kitchen aid, um, having a window that showed me, you know, the time of the turkey, the time of the mashed potatoes, the time of, you know, all these other things right in the same window was would have been super helpful. Um, the stopwatch uh, is pretty much the same. It's unchanged. I'm looking at it right now uh, for those of you who are just listening. Um, the alarm uh, has the days so you can set all of the features in the alarm uh, visually right then and there in the app itself. So um, like I said, it's uh, check out my my uh, my post on it. Uh, we have a whole slideshow of what the visual uh, changes are in detail. But again, if this is a, the sign of things to come, I'm very happy and excited and impressed. Something that I'm excited about is uh, flight sim hitting a big uh, big number. <laughs> Two million PC players since the game launched, and over yeah. 50, 50 million total flights. So this game is a lot bigger than I thought it would end up being. Yeah, it's huge. And I think it only has more to go as, uh, is it officially available on Xbox right now? Or is it in uh, the coming? Uh, I, we talked about it last week. It's coming next summer, I believe, to Series X and Series S. So I think, I'm, like myself, I'm a lazy couch player. 
uh, but being able to use the controller to do some flight sim stuff would be super exciting. And so, like I said, I see uh, big things in flight sims future. It's from from what I've seen and from your gameplay and what you've tweeted about it looks, you know, just looks amazing. Um, they're adding, uh, seems like they're adding chunks of new cities and and and, and cityscapes and landscapes to kind of round out the you know full sim experience. Um, I'm sure there's be new weather elements and, and like I said, as if this is coming out on the Series X, I can only imagine what ray tracing is going to do to, you know, beads of water across the the windshield itself and stuff like that. So it could be a very serene experience for people, especially for still in quarantine. For those of us who are longing to fly, you can get this experience. And they did say something about VR updates coming, I think, towards the ending of the year or early next year. So it's only going to get even better. Yeah, this might be a hidden gem for 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 Microsoft as far as a first party exclusive. Uh, you know, we're we're thinking of things, stuff like Spider Man and and uh, and God of War and uh, Halo and stuff like this. But Flight Sim is seems to be an underrated ex- uh, seller for Microsoft. I think that pretty much it does it now. We covered every topic from Windows 10X to Apple M1 to Cyberpunk. To solar winds, to flight sim. Yeah, uh, I got one last one, and it's a very, it's minor in our for our fan base, but for those of you who are keeping up, uh, the feud between uh, Amazon and the Department of Justice is still going on, and it's really brought you know obviously Microsoft into the muck, uh, so to speak. Uh, I believe it was Tuesday they uh, a sealed uh, complaint that Amazon had it finally become public. And it kind of shows some details about the um, way that uh, the bid was adjudicated um, uh, and how um, the new adjudication kind of was supposed to help Microsoft, according to Amazon. This is all according to Amazon and based on the, the, the complaint itself, that it helped lower the price. So that was one of Microsoft's big selling points in, in winning this bid was that it, it came at a lower bid. But, uh, you know, once it once the Department of Justice kind of fixed this error that Amazon had pointed out about the uh, pricing, it looks like, at least as far as Amazon is saying, that they come in tens of thousands or tens of millions cheaper uh, wholesale than Microsoft. So that's something that's going to need to be uh, decided upon. And I believe the decision for this is going to happen early next year. Um, as of right now, they have an injunction. Uh, I don't know how long that holds or what the uh, state of the statute of limitations is for that. But uh, Microsoft's obviously eager to move ahead. Uh, Brad Smith came out um, and had, had a final response to this. Normally, uh, Microsoft just kind of gives you the boilerplate, like, hey, you know, we're working with everybody to kind of make sure everything's okay. This was a little more poignant, uh, saying that, you know, Amazon's basically a sore loser and they need to move on. Um, so, uh, again, Microsoft and Amazon and the Department of Justice are still in this weird menage a trois uh, for the <laughs> Jedi contract. And again, uh, uh, we'll probably see more information come out uh, at the beginning of next year. Will the Biden administration have anything to add to that? Well, that's what Amazon's doing. They're trying to sort of buy time to kind of have Biden's administration look into this because, again, aside from the way that it was given to Microsoft, uh, or at least Microsoft won it, they believe strongly that the Trump administration put their thumb on the scale to give it to Microsoft in any way that they could. 
So uh, obviously you're waiting for a new administration to come in and kind of um, uh, fix or address some of the things that you have concerns about. Uh, as far as Biden is concerned, I think you know Microsoft and Amazon both have a long history of working with the Department of Justice. I don't know if he really cares who <laughs> holds the bid, but I'm sure he wants to get it done. So he may, in the sake of timing, just say, hey, Microsoft, get going. And speaking of timing, that's the right, that's all of our show. We ran out of topics to talk about. Yeah, I mean, at least ones that you guys want to hear about. <laughs> <laughs> so again, uh, thanks everyone for tuning in. Uh, like we said uh, multiple times already, this is our final show for 2020. We'll be back in January 2021 with some new content for you guys. Yeah, new content, uh, possibly a new format. Uh, you know, again, we are learning as we do this each week, and we uh, appreciate the comments. Uh, we appreciate uh, the the listenership and the viewership uh, and your attention spans for as long as we <laughs> continue to talk. So, again, if you have any suggestions, any ideas, uh, hit us up on Twitter, uh, hit the website up, uh, hit the contact us. You know, we read as many of the emails you guys bring in. A lot of you think we're associated with Microsoft. You ask us very specific questions that we can and can't answer sometimes, but we love to read them regardless. So find us on Twitter. You are? Mindhead1 uh, on um, Twitter. And I am at ABACJourn. Yeah. Uh, again, stay safe. Have a happy new year. Uh, we look forward to seeing you guys in a couple of weeks. All right. Take care, everyone, and see you again soon. <laughs>